This is a Federal News Network podcast. Budget season is fast approaching, and that usually means federal employees are thinking about what next year's paycheck might look like. Federal News Network has learned the Biden administration is eyeing a 2.7 percent pay raise for civilian federal employees. Nicola Grisco joins me now to explain what we might see from the new administration. And 2.7 is a nice chunk relative to the recent years. What are you hearing about the pay raise? So, Tom, we are hearing that 2.7 is the number that the Biden administration is eyeing at this point in the budget process, which during transition years, as we all might remember, usually comes in two parts. So the Biden administration is expected to release a preview, I guess we'll say, of some agency top line numbers, some broad priorities for some of these agencies in the coming days. And then a fuller budget request will come out later this spring. That's the expectation at this point. And Tom, we reviewed a budget passback uh, that detailed the 2.7% planning assumption for uh, 2022. And another source familiar with the budget process also confirmed that number to us. The Office of Management and Budget declined to comment about this particular topic. And I have to say, it is unclear if this pay raise proposal will be part of what the Biden administration is going to release in the next couple of days. Past practice is kind of mixed. You know, the Trump administration did not include a pay raise proposal in his transition year, but initial budget request. The Obama administration did actually back in uh, 2009. They did include a 2% raise for federal employees at that point. But Looking back through those old documents, it was part of the Obama administration's, um, you know, pretty detailed plans on resolving kind of the economic crisis at the time. Sure. And of course, they want to give as much as they can when it's a Biden and Obama type of administration, to be honest. And they think they can probably get it by Congress because I think some members of Congress would be happy with 3 percent. But it's not a done deal. A lot of things have to happen. Correct, Nicole, before it becomes the law of the land. That's right. So there is quite a bit that has to happen in order for a federal pay raise to become official. So Biden has between now and the end of August to release his pay plan to Congress. And most presidents do this every single year. They do that because if, you know, current law were to go into effect, locality pay raises would be huge, way bigger than they ever, you know, could afford to give federal employees. And so there's usually an alternative and the Biden administration has until the end of August. At that point, Congress could also legislate its own federal pay raise. And they've done that in recent years. They did that back in 2019 after the government shutdown. And they did that, I believe, the year before as well. So there's a history here of Congress stepping in and giving federal employees different pay raises than what the administration has proposed. Last year was pretty cut and dry. You know, the Trump administration uh, really early on uh, recommended a 1% raise, and Congress ultimately included that in the omnibus spending bill. So again, Congress can do something as well. And then nothing is official until the president signs an executive order making the pay adjustment official, essentially. And we usually don't see that until the end of December, kind of right around Christmas. Well, that's right. And we do know also that President Biden loves signing executive orders. I think he's signed more than any of them so far, at least in the time he's been in office. So that shouldn't be an issue when the time comes, I guess. No, I I don't think it'll be an issue. And I should say, Tom, there is a formula set in statute that does dictate 
sort of how federal employee pay raises are supposed to go. That formula is complicated, but the bottom line is that we can predict kind of generally where these pay raises are supposed to go. And that formula tells us that federal employees should receive at least a 2.2% across the board raise, and that doesn't include locality pay adjustments. So if I were to speculate, they potentially looked at that 2.2% number and maybe added a half a percent on top for locality pay, but I don't know what the Biden administration specific plans are for locality pay. Well, 2.2, 2.7, it's all better than a jab in the eye with a sharp object. And also, Nicole, you've been reporting about Veterans Affairs Department, collective bargaining with its major unions, and there's been some real changes and movement there, too. Yeah, so last Friday, the Department of Veterans Affairs informed the American Federation of Government Employees and all of its labor unions, actually, of its specific plans to implement the Biden executive order, which ultimately repealed the Trump 2018 executive orders and restore things like official time, collective bargaining, and that sort of thing. And I think this was really the guidance that the local VA facilities were waiting for. We had heard, you know, it was a mixed bag in how some of these VA local facilities were responding to the initial Biden order and then the OPM guidance telling agencies how to actually implement this. You know, some situations where maybe unions were receiving office space back, other local facilities not really budging on the office space. So it was really mixed across the board. And so I think the union feels like now, you know, individual supervisors and managers have the guidance that they need to implement this consistently across the board. I will say, though, Tom, it's way more complicated than I ever thought because VA and AFGE were in the middle of bargaining. And that's essentially on pause at this point. They haven't really gotten anywhere. And the new VA guidance essentially says, okay, we recognize the 2011 old agreement that we had with you all as the agreement going forward. AFGE, of course, never stopped recognizing that agreement as kind of the lay of the land. And there's no indication as to how bargaining might move forward if VA is interested in that and what that'll really look like. Right. It could be they're waiting for certain appointees or certain people that may not be Senate confirmed, but there might be positions that have to be filled that are at the pleasure of the administration that they would want to get into those bargaining seats, perhaps. There could be the current labor management relations director, I believe, is an acting person at this point. I don't believe that position is Senate confirmed, so it might just require the administration to put someone in that position. But yeah, there's a lot of complicating factors here. But in the meantime, the unions are getting their offices back in the agency throughout the country, and they're getting their official time back. They are. And, you know, AFGE was quick to point out that VA really wasn't budging on official time until this guidance came out. There is one exception here. VA is not restoring official time for certain Title 38 employees in certain healthcare professional positions. That question is actually up for litigation in federal court. And so VA hasn't indicated what its position is going to be on official time for certain healthcare professionals. Well, you've got a lot to keep track of in the next few weeks. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her stories at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with 
great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over two million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we wanna do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today, 
Well, that about says it all, but is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an, as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've uh, led, this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.